What's up? Welcome to Bow Down, the teaching ministry of Pastor Chris Tress. Can you do me a favor? Can you turn to somebody next to you and tell them, hey, I'm really glad you're here this morning. Now turn to your second choice, the one you really wanted to talk to, and tell them, I'm really glad you're here this morning. So see, at Recovery Church, we do that every single week. Why? Because a lot of addicts and alcoholics have been told by their families that they don't want them around. And sometimes they've been in isolation for so long that they feel that not even God sees them. And sometimes when you turn to somebody and tell them how glad you are that they're there, it's like God saying, I see you. Come on, so I just want you to know, if you're in the room right now, God sees you. And I believe that there's a word that God wants to speak to you today. And, and, and as they mentioned, I am Junior from Recovery Church Movement. And, and if you guys don't know this, overdose is the number one cause of death for people under 50. People are dying without knowing Jesus. People are turning to a substance instead of turning to a savior. And we have too many people right now that are losing their lives. And so what we did is we decided to get involved and come out and we started planting these recovery churches where we help addicts and alcoholics find freedom through the 12 steps and through Jesus Christ. And through the grace of God today, we've planted over 30 churches, about 36 in 13 states. And God has been doing some incredible things. It's been quite a blessing. And by the way, just like we do in the meetings, my name is Junior. I'm an alcoholic, addict, saved by grace. And through the grace of God, I have nine and a half years sober today because he is faithful. Amen. Come on. That's what he does. And so we're grateful to be here, and I'm honored to be in this house. I actually met your pastor in Georgia. So we were at a pastor's conference in Georgia, and while we were there, they were just like, hey, I want you pastors to partner together. And they're like, Junior, you're with Chris. Chris, you're with Junior. Sit down and share your stories with each other in three minutes. If you know your pastor, he can't do anything in three minutes. (laughs) Sorry, Pastor Chris, I had to throw it out there. (laughs) So we sit with each other, but here's what I found out. You have an incredibly humble, authentic, loves God, loves people leader. And I tell you what, I got to see that man's heart. And I just want you to know that you are part of something special right here at Bow Down Church. So if you're here, you know what you're a part of. If it's your first time here, I would challenge you. Come back next week. Pastor Chris is much better than I am. Uh, so you might want to come back and hear him if it's your first time. But if you don't mind, I'd like to pray us in again and ask the Holy Spirit to open your hearts and to speak through me. So let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, I just, God, I humbly come into your presence and God, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather. Lord, I thank you for every single person that's in here today, Father God. And Lord, I pray that you would remind them they didn't come here. You sent them here. God, there is something that you want to speak to your children today. So God, I just pray today that if they're not in recovery, if they're not an addict or an alcoholic, that they wouldn't tune out and say, well, that one's not for me. I'll come back next week. I pray they would come back right now, Father God. Because it doesn't matter what the topic is, you have a word to speak. So God, I pray right now that they would tune in to your word. They would tune in 
to the words that you're going to speak today. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak because my words have no power without yours. Speak to your children today. Open their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm honored that this morning I get to spend, uh, I think Pastor Chris said, what, I got three and a half hours? Is that, ain't that how y'all roll it by down? I'm preaching for about three and a half? Oh, there's a clock. Okay, I'm going to look at that. Um, so, so as I was praying this morning about God, what, what, do you, what do you want me to talk about? What do you want me to speak, Lord? And he just kept reminding me of Revelations 12, 11, where it says, you'll defeat the devil through the blood of the lamb and what? The word of your testimony. Every person in this room has a testimony, and guess what? God wants to use it. Your story has power. So today, I'm going to share part of my story with you, and I have exactly 33 minutes left, and I love that number 33. Come on, somebody. We're going going to hit that clock within that 33 minutes. Jesus did it in 33 years. We could do 33 minutes. Let's go. Okay, So, so here we go. So I'm born the baby of five kids, single mother. And growing up, we didn't have anything, right? We were just, uh, we were poor, didn't have much, single mom raising five kids. And by the way, I was born in France. And when I typically tell people I was born in France, they look at me like, like, France, France? I'm like, this is what a French person looks like. Why are y'all looking at me sideways? What? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what, either way. So I was born in France, baby of five kids, single mother. And we never had anything growing up, but looking back in retrospect right now, I realize I actually did have something. The one thing that I had growing up, even though we didn't have material things, is I had hope. It may have been hope in the wrong things, but I had hope that one day, when I got the car, when I got the money, when I got the stuff, then I would be happy, right? So when I was younger, I had hope. But we didn't have anything as far as material things went, right? So I remember my father left because he didn't want to have another kid. And the kid that he didn't want to have was me. And so from an early age, once I knew that, I felt rejected by my father. Right? So my stepfather raised me. His name is Judex, and Judex was an awesome guy. He gave me money one day, and who knows that you'll go a long way with kids if you give them money. <laughs> he gave me money one day, said a man should always have a dollar in his pocket. I said, yes, sir. I brought it to my mom. I said, Mom, Dad said I should always have a dollar in my pocket. She's like, well, let me see that dollar and give you some more change. That's actually more money. That was not true. She gave me less money. Anybody's listening today, just know that. If you ever get given change for dollars, that's wrong, right? But, but I love that man. I love that man. And when I was seven, we moved to the United States, and he stayed in France. And I remember one summer I was going to go back to France and stay with my brother and um, I remember going back, and before I went, I talked to Judex, and he would tell me, Junior, when you're here, we're going to hang out every day. I can't wait to see you. It's been a few years. Looking forward to hanging out with you. Can't wait to see you. I'll see you when you get here. As I flew to France, I was there for two and a half months. He didn't visit me one time. I flew thousands of miles, and I was down the street from him, and he never came. I felt rejected by my stepfather. And see, going into school, I realized that this rejection hole left me feeling like I wasn't enough. Anybody in here ever feel like you're not enough? Raise your hand. I just, I just, I didn't feel like I was enough. So going into school, I didn't feel cool or good enough. So I was really shy and really reserved. And I remember getting to high school. And when I was in high school, um, 
I wasn't that cool, y'all. I just, I wasn't, I wasn't that cool. If I can give y'all a description, young people, you might not get this. I'm going to date myself, but some of y'all might get this. Do y'all remember a show called Family Matters? Do y'all remember Steve Urkel? Okay, so I felt like Urkel, okay? I kind of looked like Urkel. Listen, God's given me some size today. I'm a little bit different. But back then, if you could imagine Urkel, so I'm in high school and I'm Urkel, right? And I feel like I'm not good enough, and this rejection makes me feel like I can't really make friends because if my own father doesn't want me and my stepfather, why would they want to hang out with me, right? So I felt really alone. And looking back now, now I realize why people actually join gangs because you just want to be part of something. You just don't want to be the one eating lunch by yourself in a bathroom stall. But if you remember Steve Urkel, Family Matters, Urkel had this machine that he created. And when he would walk into that machine, come on, he would come out, Stefan Urkel. Come on, y'all remember Stefan? <laughs> Stefan was cool, man, wasn't he? Come on, he went from Urkel to Stefan Urkel. I mean, even the name sounds cool. Now, here's the thing. I wanted to be Stefan, but I was Urkel. So here's the problem. I was not smart like he was to be a scientist to create a machine that I can walk into to make me cool. But one day, somebody introduced me to alcohol, and they call it liquid courage. And what I realized is when I drank that alcohol and I got drunk, I may have still looked like Urkel, but I felt like Urkel. You feel what I'm trying to tell you? Come on, you ever, come on, anybody, if you've ever been drunk, you'll realize sometimes you think you look cool. You really look bad. But it changed how I felt into an addict, how you feel is everything. So then I realized, man, this drinking stuff is actually pretty good. And so somebody asked me a few years ago, they said, Junior, did you, did you have a problem with drugs and alcohol? And I said, I'd, alcohol and drugs wasn't my problem. It was my answer. It was the thing that I ran to when I was sad, when I was joyful, when I was mad. That was the thing that I ran to. It wasn't my problem. It was my answer. But see, what I ran to for comfort in one season became my prison in the next. Come on, you got to be careful what you run to. What you run to for comfort in one season. Come on, let me ask you, church, what are you running to? When you're mad, when you're sad, when you're glad, what are you running to? For one season, I ran to comfort foods. Come on. And let me tell you what, comfort foods can make you uncomfortable after a while. I put on 50 pounds with comfort food. You feel what I'm trying to tell you? But what are you running to? Because it reminds me of this woman at the well where she's sitting there, and Jesus says, hey, if you drink of this, you'll always be thirsty. If you run to gambling, you'll always want to gamble. If you run to that bad relationship, you'll keep running to bad relationships. You keep running to Facebook, you'll keep running back to that. You keep watching that thing that makes you feel good when you watch it, you'll keep running back to that. And as a matter of fact, it's a thirst trap. All it's going to do is make you more thirsty for it. And it is bad, right? It's a thirst trap. You keep drinking this, you're just going to be more thirsty and running to these things that are meaningless. But then Jesus said, but if you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. If you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. 
So see, today, Jesus is my answer. And I don't care what the question is. You see what I'm saying? It doesn't matter what the question is. Jesus is the answer. But back then, I started drinking alcohol. So now I'm getting out of high school. And I asked myself this question. Who do people love in the real world? And so I realized people love people that have money. So I started chasing after money. And I found these millionaires that took a liking to me and said, hey, you speak well. Hey, if you do what we teach you to do, we can help you make a bunch of money. And here I was, a young 19-year-old, and I'm like, come on, we're about to make some money. This is the hope I had when I was younger. One day I'm going to grab all this stuff. And so I learned their good habits of selling and making money, but I also learned their bad habits of doing drugs and drinking a lot more, living that lifestyle that rap music glorifies. See, they glorify the highlights, (laughs) Don't they? They don't show you the time when you locked up. They don't show you the time when everybody leaves you. They don't show you the time when you're the one that's dead on the street. They just highlight, right? And so money came. I made money. And at 29 years old, I became depressed. Because here's the thing. When I was younger, I, I thought I had nothing, but I had something. What I had was hope. Hope that when I had the stuff, I would be happy. But what happens when you get the stuff that you thought would fill you and you realize that they're empty? What happens when the thing that you thought would bring you joy doesn't? See, they say one definition for clinical depression is seeing no more light at the end of the tunnel. So that moment when I had the money, I had the cars, I had the the stuff, I sat there and I was depressed. And that's when I wanted to end my life. So what's the purpose? I wake up, I deal with other people's problems, I deal with my problems, I drink, I get high, I go to sleep, I wake up again to a broken world, and all of this is just cyclical. Nothing is changing. I'm absolutely miserable. I turn to drugs and alcohol for comfort. Now I can't stop doing them. Now I'm addicted to this stuff, and I can't stop doing this stuff. God, why am I here? That time I didn't have a relationship with God. I knew of God. And it was interesting because every time I felt like I did too much and I felt like I was going to die, I wasn't afraid to die. But for some reason, God kept giving me this mental vision of my family at my funeral crying. And I thought to myself, they don't deserve that. They don't deserve that. So I would pray this prayer. i say, God, if you would only save me today. I promise you, I am not doing this again. Anybody in here pray that prayer? Lord, if you would just help me with this test. Lord, if you would just help me with these children. Lord, if you would just help me pay these bills. I promise you, I will create a budget. God said, you created the budget. You just don't stick to it. You need to act your wage. I heard that one the other day. I love that. I need to preach a series called Act Your Wage. You feel what I'm trying to say? Sometimes we balling out of control on a budget on our credit cards. You feel what I'm trying to say? Act your wage. All I'm saying is, woo-wee, I don't know. That one distracted me a little bit. I think I'm lost. <laughs> I'm going to have to come back and ask y'all where I was. Woo, come on. So, so here I was, and I was praying this prayer. God, if you would only, if you would only. And guys, I prayed that prayer many times. And so March 27, 2013, I realized I had prayed this prayer many times, but I keep turning back to drugs and alcohol. And so I said, Lord, finish the job, God. Finish the job. Every time I tell you I'm going to stop, 
Every time I tell you I, I want to quit, I, I've, I've switched from liquor to beer, from beer to wine, from wine to weed. I've, I've tried to dwindle down, and now I'm addicted to all. God, I can't do this. Just finish the job. Why am I here? And that night, March 27th of 2013, I heard God whisper the word insanity. Who here knows the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So I said, God, tomorrow I'm going to do one thing differently. I'm going to Google I have a problem with alcohol. And guys, I Googled I have a problem with alcohol. A bunch of numbers came up. But long story short, I found myself in a treatment center for drugs and alcohol. It was called The Treatment Center, TTC. And their slogan was, where we restore hope. Interesting, because the one thing I had when I was a kid was hope. The one thing I lost was hope. And they said, where we restore hope. And so in this treatment center, you have classes all day long. But the first thing you get to do after being sober for about two weeks is they allow you to go to church. And so one kid, after service one day, one of the meetings says, hey, Junior, let's go to church. And I said, man, God don't want nothing to do with me. You know what's sad, folks? I really believe that God didn't want anything to do with me. My father left. My stepfather left. Many people left along the way. Why would a holy God, who is perfect, want anything to do with a mess like me? So he asked me again. He's like, Junior, come on, man. Let's just go to church. And I said, listen, let me clean myself up. Then I'll go to church. In retrospect, it's like saying, let me get fit. Then I'll get a gym membership. You go to church, come on, right? But I didn't know that at the time. Ask yourself, how many people on the outside right now feel like they're not good enough to come? In this neighborhood, people right now, now let me clean myself up, then I'll come to bow down. They believe that. So he asked me again, and I said, brother, don't ask me again, I'm not going. And so he starts to walk away, and as he's walking away, he's like, well, there's real coffee at church. So in treatment, all you got is decaf, okay? I told you I like to feel things. So I said, listen, oh, there's real coffee. Well, I'm going to go this one time right now because I've been wanting to talk to God anyway. So let's go to church. <laughs> so we all pile up in this van, and we in treatment like to call it in recovery the druggy buggy, right? So it's a bunch of us. We get in this van, a bunch of addicts. And, and so they're taking us to this church that's downtown. Now, every week they took us to a different church. Why? Because they knew how smart we was. Listen, we try to act like we ain't smart, but we've manipulated many people to get what we want, okay? So they would switch churches every week because they knew that if they went to a church consistently, I would call my uncle that week and be like, yeah, I'm just calling my family to check in. Hey, man, meet me in the bathroom. I'm going to be at bow down at 10 o'clock, right? So they switched it up every week. So we end up in this church downtown, fancy church downtown, and I remember hopping out of that bus and I look at all of us coming out of this bus, and we're all smoking cigarettes. I smoked cigarettes at the time, through the grace of God, five years clean. Come on, I haven't had a cigarette in five years, right? That one's hard to quit, but the Lord can do it. And so, and so we're all smoking cigarettes, and then most of us have tattoos. I don't. And then I look around at us outside of this van smoking cigarettes, tatted up, and I just thought to myself, we don't look good as a unit. <laughs> People are judging us right now. Everyone that's passing by is probably like, there they go, right there, right? See, I have this, this issue where I like to project my own insecurities onto other people, 
right? So I judge myself through your eyes, right? Y'all probably like, look at Pastor Chris would have wore Jesus sandals. Look at him with the closed toe shoes up there, huh? He ain't as tall as Pastor Chris. He ain't as loud as Pastor Chris. So I'm judging myself through your eyes, right? And so we get down there. I grab my cup of coffee, of course, because that's why I went. You know what I'm saying? I even think I took a few tea packets and put them in my pocket because they had caffeine. Real drug addict behavior. I know. Don't judge me. If anybody ever comes in here and starts stealing tea packets, let them take it, okay? It's not worth Don't fight them on it. They might need that. But here we are at this church. And because we're in treatment, they don't give us any money. Why? Because they know that if they give us cash, we're going to buy drugs. And, and here I am sitting at this church, and they start passing the offering plate. And in my mind, I'm like, man, you can't put anything in that offering plate. And then the devil starts speaking. Anybody have been in church, and while you hear the devil start speaking? I look at you. You ain't got no money. You can't even put a dollar in the, in the tree. Look at you. You've become worthless. Who are you? You used to have money. You used to have stuff. Now you're sitting in treatment, 30 years old. Grown man can't put a dollar in the offering plate. What is wrong with you? And I'm sitting here listening to this voice. And so I had to do the best other option. You know how you sometimes pull out stuff in your pocket to act like you think you had money on you? <laughs> Don't act like I'm the only one. Y'all done did it here before. You're like, wait, I thought I had a few dollars on me, son. <laughs> you start talking out loud. Hey, I ain't. I'm going to bring twice next week. I'm going I'm to double, <laughs> double it up next week. <laughs> I ain't got no money on me today. I know they ain't bringing me back next week, but I felt awful. So here I am, and this voice keeps speaking. The problem with that voice is when it starts, it starts to keep going. It doesn't stop. And here was a pastor on stage trying to speak to me. But while he's speaking, I have a whole other sermon going on in my mind. And so I can't pay attention. And maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're in here right now, and while I'm speaking, you already think about lunch. Or you thought about what you had last night, and you should have had a salad, but you had a burger. Right? And now you're beating yourself up. Can I invite you to come back? Amen. Be present. Sometimes we're so much in the future or in the past that we're never really here. Right? So here I am, and I'm having this conversation with the devil in my mind. And so I prayed, and I said, God, would you just give me a moment of clarity? God, I'm tired of not being able to. Could you just help me hear this man? And in that moment, I can hear. I remember the pastor preaching a message, and I heard the story of the prodigal son. And I realized that I am that prodigal son who had taken everything I had and squandered it. And then here I was about to go back to the father, and, and I'm coming up with all these excuses, and, and I'm coming up with what I'm going to say to the father so he can take me back, right? God, here's what happened. I, I, I didn't know, and, and maybe it was the rejection or, or, or God, right? If you listen to that story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son, he's coming up with what he's going to say to the father when he gets there. But did you guys know that while he was a long way off, the father ran towards him? He didn't even listen to the reasons or anything else. He said, put a ring on my son's finger, put a robe on his back, kill the fattened calf. My son, who was lost, is now found. And in that moment, I heard God said, son, I'm not your accuser, I'm your defender. That changed everything for me. Because I used to run from God. I wasn't good enough. But when God says, I'm your advocate... 
This is where French actually kicks in well for me. Avocat, advocate, means lawyer. God says, I'm your lawyer. I'm your attorney. I'm your advocate. I'm the one who fights for you. And when I heard that, and then I thought about the story in John chapter 8, which I heard, and I heard about this adulterous woman who they wanted to stone, and the only one who had the right to throw a stone, Jesus, didn't. He didn't. He didn't. Come on, he is your advocate. And from that moment on, I realized I didn't need to run from God. I needed to run to God. So I got out of that treatment center, and I started going to AA, and I lived in a halfway house, and I went to a church, and I remember going to that church, and I said, guys, can you get me connected to a small group? And they're like, go to our website. And this was a really big church. And I'm like, well, you know, I I just, I'm getting out of treatment, you know, like I'm a big brother. I feel kind of bad knocking on somebody's door to the small group. They might think I'm robbing them. Like, this is what's going on in my head. I'm like, can somebody point me to a small group, right? Come on, yeah, some of y'all might feel comfortable doing that, but, I, you know, think about where I was, okay? I'm going to show up to your house and be like, hi, I'm here for the small group. <laughs> I just, I would have probably showed up on the wrong day. Maybe a child comes to the door, daddy, somebody's on our porch. I think he's going to rob us. Could have happened, maybe not. I don't know, but that was in my brain, right? And so I asked him, can you get me connected? I said, this is what I've learned, that, that storms are coming. Storms are coming. Jesus said in this life, in John 16, 33, you will have trials. He didn't say you might, you may be. He said you will have trials and troubles, but take heart. So here's what I knew. A storm was coming. And if I wasn't rooted somewhere, I was going to get blown away. Let me ask you a question. Are you rooted somewhere? If you ain't rooted in this church, if you're not serving in this church, if you're not in a group in this church, if you don't have prayer warriors praying for you in this church, let me tell you, you got to get some roots somewhere because the storm is coming. Storm is coming. Come on. Jesus said, I told you this so you can have peace. Don't be afraid of the storm. When you got the right people, you'll have the right perspective. The storm's not to worry about, but you got to get grounded, right? So the problem was, that I asked again the following week, hey, can you guys get me connected to a small group? They said, go to our website. I said, man. Then I went to my best friend who I used to use drugs and alcohol with, and I said, hey, man, you know of a good church? He's like, bro, I don't go to church. I said, but you might know of a good church. He's like, well, my sister Camila goes to this church. And I was like, is it good? He said, I don't know. I don't go to church. (laughs) But she likes it. I said, cool, I'm going to go check it out. So I went to that church, and when I got to that door, that pastor shook, the pastor's dad actually, shook my hands and took a genuine interest in me. Asked me questions, and you knew he cared. And then in that moment, he's like, by the way, what do you do on Monday nights? I said, nothing right now. He said, how about you join my small group? Here's what I can tell you guys. People that come through these doors may not remember Pastor Chris's message, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. Come on, how people feel matters. I've been to restaurants where the food was good, but the service was bad. And I'm like, yeah, don't go there. Well, you remember how people make you feel, right? So I started going to that church, and then I had this discipleship pastor that loved me enough to push me out of my comfort zone. Come on, do you love people enough? Do you love them enough to push them outside of their comfort zone? He came up to me. He's like, hey, man, I want you to lead a group. I said, nope. 
He's like, come on, man, you should lead a group. You've attended a couple. I'm like, I'm not leading a group. He's like, why not? I said, because I don't know enough yet. I'm not ready yet. But to tell you the truth, y'all want to know why I didn't do it? Because at the time, I was still smoking cigarettes and listening to Tupac. Okay? And in my mind, I'm like, what if somebody from my small group pulls up to me, and I'm sitting there just blasting Tupac, smoking a cigarette, and they look over like, is that our small group leader? (laughs) I thought he said, walk in righteousness, I guess. I don't know what that means, right? So I didn't want to embarrass the church, right? But I learned that Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, planters that wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. I was waiting to be good enough to serve. I was waiting to be good enough to lead. But guess what? When he put me in that position of authority, then I said, you know what? Because I'm a leader, I can't do this. Because I'm a leader, I can't do that. Sometimes you just need to step in by faith. Some of y'all been in here saying, Lord, I will when I can. God said, you ain't going to do it. Come on, you've been saying you was going to tithe since 2013. You still ain't gave a dollar yet. (laughs) Waiting to win that Powerball, huh? When I win it, Lord, I got you, right? I'm going to join that small group, Jesus, when they start making it on Saturday at 3.15 till 4 o'clock. It has to end right at 4. When I find that group, I'm going to join it. Right? So he's like, Junior, I want you to lead this group. I said, Matt, I'm not going to do it. He's like, well, I already signed you up to lead. I said, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I said, no. All right, fine, I'll lead the small group. He got me doing that through leading. He got me doing that through serving, right? But he kept pulling me out of my comfort zone. Do you love people enough to pull them out of their comfort zone? He helped me see what God saw. I didn't see a leader. I saw an addict. I didn't see a pastor. I saw a broken man that was left by everybody. I didn't see beyond where I was. But people prophesied, and God sent people in my path to encourage me and say, son, there's something in you, and I want to push you forward to whatever God is calling you. And so after serving in that church for years, God called me to go up to North Carolina. And in North Carolina, I learned about ministry. I became a pastor in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it's interesting because when I went to North Carolina, I thought I was going to learn ministry. But I was wrong. I actually went to North Carolina to find my wife. My beautiful wife, Mandy, is sitting right here. Come on. I brought the finest thing from North Carolina down to South Florida. Come on, won't he do it? Our God is good, right? So ministry was just a blessing. I found my wife out in North Carolina, right? We've got two beautiful boys, J.R. and Avery, who are in kids right now. But God started moving in my life. I became a pastor and a leader. And then I joined Recovery Church. And, and Recovery Church was just this amazing place that we can go to that talk about the 12 steps and also talk about Jesus. If anybody knows anything about recovery, in AA, we talk about a higher power. Now, the thing is, Those steps in AA was designed to lead people to the highest power, Jesus Christ. But over time, it got diluted a little bit, right? But the whole purpose of it is to bring people to Jesus, right? So we believe in the 12 steps, but we also believe in Jesus. So we created this space where people can come and talk about recovery and talk about Jesus freely, And what happened is people started coming. 
because they love the freedom of being able to talk about the steps. And it's amazing because people still tell me to this day, well, Junior, like, why, why, why AA? Like, why do you guys say yes to AA? Well, guys, there's 60,000 AA meetings in America. And in those 60,000 AA meetings in America, there's broken people that are looking for hope. There's broken people who are saying, okay, I'll make this higher power my doorknob. Because they'll even tell you, hey, even if your higher power is a doorknob, it just can't be you. You just need to know there's something greater than you. I used to tell people, listen, you can make that doorknob your higher power. But here's the problem with doorknobs. They'll turn on you. <laughs> right? Some of y'all got that. The rest of you will later. <laughs> but the reality is, right, there's only one higher power. We'll let you believe what you want until you get there. Like Doubting Thomas, we create the space. You can believe whatever you want. But who here knows proximity is power? And so the more they're around the word of God, the more they hear about Jesus, the more likely that what's around you, and I need you to hear this, what's around you gets in you. What's around you gets in you. The friends that are around you are influencing you. The things that you're watching and listening to are influencing you. What's around you gets in you. So why not get around Jesus? Biggest thing I hear people tell me, Junior, I want more of God. I'm like, great. How often do you read the Bible? Well, I ain't got time for the Bible, but what else can I do? Got to read the Word. And so Recovery Church brings forth the Word and the 12 steps and brings it together. And what we do is we go into the rooms of AA and we say, hey, come to recovery church. Why? If I say come to church with me, they may respond how I did. I'm not clean enough to go to church. I'm not ready enough. That Sunday, yeah, they, they might judge me. But if I say, hey, recovery church doesn't meet on a Sunday morning. Why? Because we want to point people to a Sunday church. But we meet on a night of the week. We have one down here in Palm Beach County, Monday, Tuesday, Friday. One, what comes after Wednesday? <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We have a recovery work church every day of the week, right? And what happens is we bring them from A, we're like, come to Recovery Church, we meet on Tuesday night, it's a meeting. They're like, oh, I'll go to a meeting. When they come to Recovery Church, we have three songs of worship, we have announcements, and typically in the announcements we'll say, hey, by the way, guys, we meet here at Bow Down Church on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Who here goes to Bow Down Church? Raise your hand. People will raise their hand, they're like, hey, so you don't have to go alone, find one of these people, join them on Sunday. And then we teach a message that's based out of the Bible but speaks to an addict or alcoholic. So we'll mix in the steps, we'll mix in the word, the gospel, right? So that's what we'll do. And then after they hear the word and they, they're done worshiping, we have something called open share where they get to talk a little bit, but they're like, man, this recovery church thing is not too bad. And we're like, you're right. It's not. It's awesome. Did you know that Sunday church is no different? Come to us to Sunday church. So we took somebody from AA, who had wanted nothing to do with the church, they, they wanted something to do with God, but who here knows some people got a church hurt? Somebody did something to them in a church, and they think it was God. And now all of a sudden, I'm not going to church because of what that person did. Well, don't let that person rob you of the blessing God has for you, right? So we go into AA, we bring them to recovery church, we bring them to church. And then here we are on Sunday morning at church. And right here in Sunday morning church, you got the person that believes in Jesus, but still reeks of alcohol. Come on, I love Jesus, but I love my gin. I love Jesus, but I love Jack. I love Jesus, but I love you. I know what it is that you drink. And you coming in church reading about, don't mean you don't love Jesus. But sometimes you need steps. You need a process to help get you sober. 
So what we do is we'll go from that place. And if you tell them, hey, go to AA, they're like, no, 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 I don't need that AA stuff. They said all I need is Jesus. Cool. Come to Recovery Church. We meet right here where you're at on Sundays at 7 o'clock on Friday night. All right, cool. I'll come to Recovery Church. And when they come to Recovery Church, they hear three songs of worship, hear the announcements. And in the announcements, we'll say, hey, guys, if you don't go to AA, go to AA. Why? Because there's lost people there. What the service are we doing if we who were once blind and now see know there's a bunch of blind people somewhere and we're like, yeah, we ain't going to go to see now. <laughs> I don't need to go back. Go back. Jesus would tell people after, hey, go back and tell them. So we're here at Recovery Church. We're like, hey, man, you might need some steps in your life. Come to AA. And so we become this bridge for the 12-step rooms and for the church. And so through the grace of God and my relationship with Chris, Pastor Chris, we're going to be bringing a recovery church right here at Bow Down Church. And so we're going to be planting a recovery church right here in December. And my brother Jeff, raise your hand way back there. He's in the back. He's at the table. That's, that's brother Jeff right there. He's going to be the leader here at this recovery church. And he's got some guys here with him that are going to help lead this. And, and so God is about to move in a miraculous way. Do you know why? Because right here, in this neighborhood right now, there's a mother that's praying for her son because he can't get off the drugs. There's a spouse praying right now because her, her husband keeps going back to the bottle, keeps going back to the drugs, and he can't stop. Somebody's weeping right now in this neighborhood because somebody OD'd this week from drugs and alcohol or fentanyl. People right now are praying. But I want you to see this because when the Israelites prayed to God when they were in slavery, they prayed to God. I need you to see this. The Israelites prayed to God. God was talking to Moses. They prayed to God. God was talking to Moses. Come on. They prayed to God. God was talking to Moses. This neighborhood is praying to God and God is talking to you. God is saying, I did not. You didn't just come here. You were sent here. You're here on purpose. I made you on purpose. Even if your parents didn't plan you, I did. Psalm 139, God says, come on, I knitted you together in your mother's womb. You're my masterpiece. You have a purpose. Don't keep walking around like you don't. Maybe your purpose is that God has planted you here so people in this neighborhood can feel the love of Jesus. You're a door for God's love to walk through. So what we're going to ask of you is to do these four things. And I came up with this this morning. Number one, pray. Pray. Pray that God would bring the people. Pray that God would bring the harvest. Pray for the people in this neighborhood that are hurting right now. Pray for the ones that died this week. Pray for the one that died this morning. Pray for the others that are going to die today because every day we're losing people to drug and alcohol addiction, right? So number one thing I want you to do is pray. Number two, I want you to invite. Everybody knows an addict or an alcoholic. I need you to invite. Invite somebody. If you know somebody that's struggling, invite them to church. We're going to start meeting here, I think, second week of December on Friday nights at 7 o'clock. Invite people to be part of this. Number one, pray. Number two, invite. Number three, love. When they walk through these doors, when they come to Recovery Church and we're like, hey, come here on Sunday. When they walk through this church, they're coming in not knowing what to expect. They're coming in here maybe feeling like they're going to be judged like the last time they were judged that they were at church. And it's your job to love them. Make them feel welcome. Let them know that you see them. And then last, lead. 
Lead them closer to God. Come on. This is the beautiful thing about discipleship. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be doing ministry for, for, for four or five years. Listen, if you've been in the church for six months and a brother walks in with a week, you got something to give him. Okay? Listen, I've been here for about six months. Here's what I've learned. Come on, follow me. That's what Jesus did. Follow me. So what are we going to do? Four things. One, pray. Two, invite. Three, love. Four, lead. And this is kind of a coincidence, but also not. For some reason, pray, invite, love, and lead spells pill. Come on, we're talking about addicts and alcoholics here. They're taking pills and they are dying. So next time you think about this message and what you should be doing, think about pills, the right type of pill. The pill that's going to bring people to Jesus, we're going to pray, we're going to invite, we're going to love, and we're going to lead. They don't need to be taking those pills. They need to be here, not running to a substance, but running to a Savior. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. I'm going to invite the, the prayer team to also come up. What I'm going to do in a moment is I'm going to pray. And then as I pray, I want you guys, during this time of worship, to know that we have a prayer team up here. And you can either pray where you're at, or you can come up here and pray with one of the prayer partners. And start asking God this question, Lord, what will you have me do? Lord, what will you have me do? See, I used to think that God wasn't speaking to me. But I realized God's always been speaking. I'd just been listening to the wrong voices. See, what I realized in my life is God's voice sounded a lot like mine. See, if, if the devil sounded like Chris Tucker and I sounded like myself and God sounded like Morgan Freeman, my life would be easier. Every time Morgan spoke, he's got that deep voice, son. I would have been like, yes, Lord. The problem is they all sound like me. So how do you know when God is speaking? Spend time in his word and get to know him. Because when you know who he is, you'll know when he's speaking. I don't even need to hear my wife's voice. I just need to hear the statement, and I'll be like, she said it. Because when you know who they are, you'll know when they speak. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every single person in here right now. God, don't let them leave without wrestling with the question. God, what are you calling me to in this season right now? God, what do you want me to do? Some people might be discrediting themselves right now saying, well, God, I, I never used drugs or I never touched alcohol. I was never an addict. But they can love. They had their own thorn that they walked through. See, sometimes the thing that we want to count out, the divorce, the thing we want to count out, the failed business, the thing that we want to count out is what God is counting on to reach people. But God, you want us to be authentic and open about it. Because God, your word says it's through our weakness that your strength is made perfect. Father God, can we boast about our weaknesses so that you may be glorified? 
so that the earth will know that there's a God in heaven that restores things. So God, as we worship, as we pray, speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for visiting us today. Make sure to check us out online at www.bowdownchurch.com.